Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host Chad Knight and with me as always is Lou Schwalbach. Good evening. This week we're going to go back to a single word in the title like we've done in the past. What's the word this week? Well, we're going to try to redeem ourselves a little and head off for a visit to the spirit in the sky. That's right, we are going to go to heaven. Just like hell, most people have an idea of what it's like up in the sky somewhere, full of clouds, angels, pearly gates, and all that jazz. We'll be taking some songs that have a little bit of heaven in the title in some way, shape, or form. So fluff up your wings and buff up your halo while we get this show started. Good evening, sir. Good evening. So what's new? Not a whole hell of a lot. Let's see here. We just recently had Thanksgiving. Yep. Had a lot of good food, met up with family, and... I actually celebrated an anniversary. That's right. What number is it this year? Five. Five. And it was on Thanksgiving Day. It was. We actually originally was Black Friday. <laughs> Not because of the date, but actually because it was the day after Thanksgiving. And this time it just turned out to be Thanksgiving itself. Okay. Okay. And then, let's see. What else? We just, uh, this time I didn't have to work on Black Friday. Unlike the day I got married, I had to go to work. Be like, hey, congratulations. We're going to have dinner. Now, see you later. Got to go to work. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of bullshit, but it happens. And Did I, you guys just do the justice then? Or? Actually, the brother-in-law is a you know, ordained minister. Okay. So he did it, and then his her sister, his wife, was the witness. And then we got somebody off of Craigslist to take pictures. It was 50 bucks for all the prints and everything. That's not a bad deal. No, it wasn't. Then we went to Buzzard Billy's in Des Moines, actually. It's a Cajun place. Okay. Which, highly recommended if you like Cajun food. And like I said, we did that, and they're all watching the Iowa Hawkeyes play, and like, hey, we got married, and um, enjoy your dinner. I'll see you after after I go to work. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just how it worked out. So yeah, it's been five great years, and looking forward to many more. Well, uh, it's going to be a long time before we get to yours, but you're well, at what, 27? 21. Damn it! I knew it was 20 something. <laughs> all right, I'm so, old. I'm not that old. Well, some people get married when they're young. I was 20. I said young. 20's not that young. 20's not young to get married. No. But anyways, moving on. Anyway, let's let's get liquored up. Let's get liquored up. It is time for liquored up. So this week we've got a well, it's a slightly different. I'm I'm going to talk about this bottle because it's a beer. Well, it's an ale, and it's um what is this? A pint bottle, and it's sealed with wax. Sealed with wax. It yeah. looks like one of those bottles that you had like a candle on the top of. Yeah. Except not with like that uh, straw and crap on the bottom like you'd see in like Olive Garden or something. Right. So this is from New Glarus Brewing Company. It's bottled in New Glarus, Wisconsin. It's called Serendipity. It's a happy accident fruit ale. Uh, translation, we threw a bunch of shit in there. It tasted good, so we're going to bottle it and sell it. Well, maybe, but translation is Wisconsin ale brewed with apples, cranberries, and cherries. And all three of which are actually pretty big cash crops for the state. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we give it a smell? It smells... It's a fruity. A ailey. It's ailey. It's fruity. It looks like poo water. <laughs> it is kind of a weird brown color, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's give it a run. All right. Here we go. Hmm. I like that. I can taste the fermentation. I can taste cranberries. Mm-hmm. Um, cherries, they're not sweet cherries. I think those are sour cherries. Yeah. In fact, it tastes more of the apple than anything else. So apple and cranberry with a little bit of the um, yeah, cherry in the uh... background. It's it said, not bad. It's It's got a bit of a sour back end to it. You know, and I'm not getting a sour back end on this one. Hmm. I don't know. So what's your rating, man? Thumbs up, thumbs down, or giving it at the bar? All right. I'm going to say, I'll say thumbs up because I've tried a lot of their other stuff. Their other um, ales that they've had are pretty good, too. And this one's not bad. It just wouldn't be my favorite flavor of the ale. Yeah, I, I also am going to give this a thumbs up. I really enjoy this. I don't want to give it two thumbs up because it's it's good, but it's not that good. Okay, so it's it's one thumb up each person. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that when you were drinking. How about you put both thumbs up yourself? 
I know. I've only got one orifice that that's going to work with. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to give it one thumb up. I'm going to give it one thumb up. All right. So out of four, it's a two out of four. Oh, so we're doing it on that type of a scale. See, when you said only one thumb up, I'm just like, I can't give it a two thumbs up. I'm like, but that's two people, one thumb. So I didn't understand what you were saying then. So let's revise this whole situation then. It gets two thumbs up. All said and done through two thumbs up. Yes. All right. All right. So it's time for that fun time of the week for me. It's trivia question time. All right. So let's start by what am I, what's my, what am I at right now? You are currently seven and six. So you're over 500. (gasps) Feeling good. Feeling good. Now, just as a little precursor here, I did ask Chad before we started if he was interested in westerns. And I'm not talking about like the modern westerns. I'm talking older stuff. Because that is going to be determinant on the question that I was asking. And his answer was, I like like newer stuff. Yeah. So, this is going to give you a little precursor to what we're going to be talking about. But as you're going to probably talk about it, Guns N' Roses covered the finger quotes classic Dylan song, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Yeah, yeah. What album did they release it with? And bonus points if you can tell me the year. Did Guns N' Roses? Yes. On what oh. album did GNR release their cover of this song? Let me go to my liner notes. Oh, you dick. <laughs> All right, fine. We're going we're gonna to do two questions anyways then. Okay. Then let me answer this one because then we'll do the uh, second one at the, end of the, at the end of the show. All right. So it was released on their Use Your Illusion 2 album yeah, right. in 1991. Right. And I actually remembered that without even having to look it up because it had You Could Be Mine on it, which was from Terminator 2, which came out in 91, and I love that movie. Okay. So, all right. That was going to be a warm-up. We'll have a, we'll have the real one later on. Hey, but even if I get it wrong, I'm still over 500. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, we're going to So, give... let's bust into this, man. What are, what are you, you going to start us with? All right. We're going to go ahead and start off with Heaven by DJ Sammy and DJ Yanu featuring Doe, which was originally written by Brian Adams. Canadian artist and Renaissance man Brian Adams started working in Vancouver's studio scene around when he was age 17, where he was a background vocalist for a lot of local artists. He kept working on his relationships and networking until signing with A&M Records for a dollar in 1978. He signed for a dollar. He released his self-titled debut in February of 1980 to some success, topping out at 69 in the Canadian charts, because apparently Brian Adams and 69 go together like crazy. 69, dude. <laughs> exactly. His next couple albums were okay, but it wasn't until his third effort, Cuts Like a Knife, where he started to get international success. His fourth album, Reckless, which is where this song originally came from, cemented him as an international superstar. Let's take a little taste of heaven and listen to Heaven by Brian Adams and DJ Sammy. He continued to tour, record, and work with humanitarian and animal rights stuff. He is a member of PETA, but not one of those eco-terrorists, so I don't hold it against him. Cemented him... I'm a member of PETA. People eating tasty animals? Yes! <laughs> All right. He is one about not eating animals, because it's one of those... Oh, that, that PETA. Right, right. Gotcha. Now, in his career, he's released 13 studio albums, 12 of which have gone gold or platinum in either Canada or U.S., and along with, as we said before, 69 singles. I'm not even kidding. I know we laughed about it last time, and we're still laughing about it because he did the song Summer of 69. So that's a three shot right there. There you go. How many kids does he have? Because obviously he's, yeah. Well, you can't get somebody pregnant doing 69. Well, it depends on if you start with that, because that's a good warm-up trick. Moving on. (laughs) Heaven was Your weekly dose of music and sex tips from Lou. All right. Now, Heaven was written for and included on the soundtrack for the movie A Night in Heaven. It was also released on the album Reckless, as we mentioned before. It's a love song that has a little power to it. I like the original. And then in 2001, DJ Sammy and Yanu, featuring the Dutch singer Doe, or Do, did a dance cover remix of the song. And I'll be honest, I dig the remix more than the original. It's still a good song, but it just kind of adds some oomph to it. Despite the speed and the beat taking away from the love song aspect, it's still successful. Adams must have liked it because he's performed the song live with Doe a couple times which is pretty impressive. 
it just reminds me of another 80s song that got the remix treatment. Bonnie Tyler did Total Eclipse of the Heart, which in 1995 was done by Nicky French. Okay. And that one sped it up, added beat it, and everything else. It became like Club Mix 95 or some shit like that. I like both versions. As I mentioned, I like the remix better. Fair enough. I'm going to pull the old grumpy guy <laughs> card, though. And I'm going to talk about the Brian Adams song. What is this newfangled shit you're listening to? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a... See, Brian Adams, this song specifically, has a place in my young, adolescent, horny heart. Okay. So it was a great makeout song. I remember dancing to this song at school dances and singing it in the ear of my date, thinking I was the coolest dude in the school. It never amounted to anything but maybe a few makeout sessions. Still can't take away from me that I was a junior high Casanova. And this song had a lot to do with it. I had the moves, my friend. But it wasn't the moves like Jagger, so... Well, nobody has the moves like Jagger. <laughs> Not even Jagger anymore. Yeah, well, he's all hip now. <laughs> but anyway, I really like this song. I, the, the Brian Adams version of it. The the more upbeat one is fine. It, it's it's an okay song. I still would opt for the, the original. All right, fair enough. All right, so what do you got for leadoff? Well, I'm going to kick off with a little Led Zeppelin, man. Okay. So Stairway to Heaven is a song released in late 1971. It was composed by guitarist Jimmy Page and vocalist Robert Plant for the band's untitled fourth studio album, often called Led Zeppelin IV. Or that was Ruins, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's known as Ruins as well. I've always known it as Red, Led Zeppelin IV. I understand why it would be called Ruins, but I hadn't actually heard that until we did the, uh, the episode with Al. Okay, yeah. It is often referred to as one of the greatest rock songs of all time. This song has three sections, each one progressively increasing in tempo and volume. The song begins in a slow tempo with an acoustic instruments, guitars and recorders, before introducing the electric instruments. The final section is an up-tempo hard rock arrangement highlighted by Page's intricate guitar solo accompanying Plant's vocals that end with a plaintive a cappella line, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. Will you buy a stairway to heaven? There's a lady all that glitters is gold And she's buying a stairway to heaven When she gets there she knows If the stores are all closed With a word she can get what she can So Led Zeppelin were an English rock band formed in London in 1968. The group consisted of guitarist Jimmy Page, singer Robert Plant, bassist and key keyboardist John Paul Jones, and drummer John Bonham. The band's heavy guitar-driven sound has led them to be cited as one of the progenitors of the heavy metal. Though their unique style drew from a wide variety of influences, including blues, psychedelia, and folk music, Led Zeppelin are widely considered one of the most successful, innovative, and influential rock groups in history. They are one of the best-selling music artists in the history of audio recordings. Various sources estimate the group's record sales at 200 to 300 million units worldwide, with RIAA certified sales of 111.5 million units. They are the second best-selling band in the U.S. Each of their nine studio albums placed in the top ten on the Billboard album chart, and six reached the number one spot. They achieved eight consecutive U.K. number one albums. Rolling Stone magazine described them as the heaviest band of all time, the biggest band of the 70s, and unquestionably one of the most enduring bands in rock history. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1995. The museum's biography of the band states that they were, quote, as influential, unquote, during the 1970s as the Beatles were during the 1960s. I have to agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. They are mildly overplayed on classic rock stations because it's like there are no other classic rock bands out there, but it's easily accessible for everybody. Yeah. So this is one of those iconic songs that everyone loves to listen to. The way it builds from beginning to ending, and then the cut from rock and roll to that final line. It's almost eerie in the way the boys put it all together. I, I love this song, but I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it. No, it's it's really a seminal tune. There's tons of meanings that we actually discussed way back on our debut episode. Yep. And I don't care about the meanings. Again, it's a great tune, especially when it picks up. The, the first part, especially with, like, what is it, a pan flute? 
Yeah. Or a recorder or something. It's a something. recorder, I think. It's real folksy, but then we just be like, you know what? Flick a switch and just, rah, there we go. Mm-hmm. I dig it, and it's, I'm sure we talked about this before, it's one of those I gotta use the bathroom type songs. That Between yeah. that and Freebird. It's are, a shit song. Exactly, the shit and a smoke song. Yep. So, great song. I would absolutely recommend it to anybody. And <laughs> Wayne's World, no stairway. Denied. <laughs> one of the most hated riffs to play at any guitar center. All right, so what do you got next? We're going to go with A Little Heaven in Your Eyes by Loverboy. Apparently, I'm staying with the Canadian rock theme because Loverboy is a Canadian rock group. That and you love the Canadians. Oh, yeah. You love the Canucks. Yeah, what's what's not to love? Hockey. You heathen. I, I don't I don't know you. <laughs> Loverboy was formed in 1979. It consists of Mike Reno, Paul Dean, Doug Johnson, Matt Frenette, and Ken Spider Senev. I would go by a nickname if my last name was that as well because I when I was trying to type this up, you know how many times I had to re-edit his name? <laughs> God damn it. Loverboy got their name from the girlfriends reading fashion magazines. Paul Dean saw CoverGirl as an advertisement. He had a dream later that night that CoverGirl became CoverBoy, which turned into Loverboy. And Reno just said, you know, what the hell, we'll give it a try. And it stayed. Their first live show was opening for Kiss in November of 1979. Wow. U.S. record labels weren't really interested, so they went with Columbia Records of Canada, where they released their self-titled debut in 1980, where it topped at number 17 in Canada and 13 in the U.S., and has since gone double platinum in the U.S. and five platinum in Canada. They continued touring it until breakups due to tensions in 1998. They reunited to promote a Greatest Hits album in 89, but broke up again after the tour. In 91, they reunited to perform... In 1991, they reunited again to perform at Vancouver's 86th Street Music Hall as a benefit show for Brian McLeod of the band Chilliwack and Headpins, who was undergoing cancer treatment. They had fun doing it, and they said, why don't we keep doing it? So they did. And they restarted touring again in... They had fun doing it and stuck together, starting to tour again, and went until November of 2000 when Scott Smith was killed during a boating accident. 2001, they brought in Snave on bass, Spider on bass, and dedicated the tour to Smith and have been going after, active ever since. Why don't we go ahead and, you know, settle down just a little bit and listen to a little heaven in your eyes. In your eyes. Now, since the beginning, Loverboy has released nine studio albums, five of which have gone gold or better in both U.S. and Canada. Heaven in Your Eyes was written specifically for the soundtrack for 1986's Top Gun. It's a power ballad about a couple who are going through some hard times together, and the singer wants to see happiness and love reflected in her eyes. How is that not anything like the best power ballad ever for the type? They say that the eyes are the window to the soul, and this one perfectly puts that feeling out there. It didn't really have the appeal or punch of Berlin's Take My Breath Away, but it's still a welcome addition to the soundtrack. I enjoy Loverboy. I think this is a good power ballad by the band. And while it does sound really dated, I think it's just a good song. Well, I can agree with you on one thing. That it sounds dated. The intro to this song ages it. That is the first thing I wrote down. The synth piano opener screams early 19, or 1970s, early 1980s. Classic I'm in love song. Kind of boring. Kind of like, this is a girl I love, but she's done with me thing. Hard pass, man. Hard pass. Okay, fair enough. All right. So I, I'm, I like other songs on that soundtrack better. I'll put that out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But what do you got next? All right. Up next, I'm going to go with a new song from an old band. So Heaven on Earth by Boston is the opening track of Life, Love, and Hope, Boston's sixth studio album and their first studio set in 11 years. The band's main man, Tom Schultz, told Ultimate Classic Rock that the song came together in a traditionally drawn-out way. I had some chord changes with some little licks that went in between them for both the verse and the chorus, he explained. It was a particularly hard guitar part to play for the accompanying rhythm guitar, but I really liked it, so once I got past the hurdle of being able to figure out how to actually perform the part, things happened pretty quickly with that one. It went together fairly quickly. 
It did take me a while to find what I thought was the right voice for it, Schultz continued. I actually had the song finished and an arrangement for it with my voice on the recording, which I usually do just to show the singer how the song goes back in 2008. I think I put the final vocal track on it three years later with David Victor, if I'm not mistaken. So there was this bit of a wait in between, and then of course I automatically heard new arrangement ideas and had to try those too. That's usually the way it is. I'll go in and get started, and after maybe three months or so, I'll either have something that's close to being finished, or I'll have hit a roadblock, or just not happy with it, and at that point I put it on the shelf and I come back to it later. Let's listen to Heaven on Earth. Boston is an American rock band from Boston, Massachusetts. What? Shut up. That achieved the majority of their success in the 1970s. Centered on guitarist, keyboardist, songwriter, and producer Tom Schultz, the band is a staple of classic rock radio playlists. Boston's best-known works include the songs More Than a Feeling, Peace of Mind, Foreplay Long Time, Rock and Roll Band, Smokin', Don't Look Back, and Amanda. They have sold more than 75 million records worldwide, including 31 million albums in the United States, of which 17 million were from their self-titled debut album, and 7 million were for their second album, Don't Look Back. Altogether, the band has released six studio albums. It sounds very much like a standard Boston song to a certain point. However, I'm disappointed in what they gave us. The, the work of Tom and, and the rest of them, especially the vocals, are mumbled and unintelligible in a few places. I think it's almost like the band was just kind of phoning it in. Is it because it's their first release that they had in a lot of years? Were they complacent? I don't know. I think this gets a hard pass by me. You know, it's it's funny you should mention that, you know, it's sounded like Boston because one of the first things I thought was that it didn't really sound like Boston to me. I don't know if it's because of not having the same edge as their previous stuff or whatever, but it it's a love song but just doesn't have the power behind it and the emotion that other stuff does i mean it you, felt very phoned in it yeah it sounds like it's almost seemed like somebody wrote it for them and they're performing it as a favor i mean you go from having more than a feeling which is more than a feeling i mean that yeah, yeah, song yeah. is amazing yeah absolutely to this and it's just like eh, I, it's a pass it's absolutely a pass it's boston so which is cool because i like boston but eh, it's meh for me all right so what do you got next man we're going to go with a little Supercharger Heaven by White Zombie. Remember last week when we talked about a song that the lyrics don't even show up in the damn song at all? This is another one of those. Yes, yes. In fact, I, I did a count on this. They they mentioned God once and angels once. That's yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. Now, White Zombie was an American rock band formed in 1985 consisting of Robert Bartley Cummings. I'd go by Zombie too. No shit, right? Better known as Rob Zombie. Sean Yusult... I don't know, his girlfriend at the time, Jay Younger, and John Tempesta, which that's a badass last name. Well, one of the three got it. Well, Zombie and Yusselt met while attending Parsons School of Design, and they formed the band. They released three EPs, and finally in 1987 released their full first album, Soul Crusher, which did nothing. Not to be dissuaded, shaking up band members and recording, releasing the sophomore effort, Make Them Die Solely in 1989, also sadly did nothing. It wasn't until they signed with Geffen... And released their album La Sexorcisto, Devil Music Volume 1, in 1982, 1992, I should say, that they finally hit it, getting more exposure and finally reaching the charts, topping number 26 in the U.S., eventually going gold in Canada and double platinum in the U.S. Let's go ahead and take a listen to the Supercharger Heaven. time when beavis and butthead were freshly on mtv talking about what was cool and what sucked <laughs> yeah exactly uh no dude awesome. ah, ah. 
and, and that's what helped White Zombie get followers and popularity due to the duo's favorable response of the videos. They released their last studio album, Astro Creek 2000, in 1995, where it topped out at number six on the U.S. charts, where it went platinum in the U.S. twice and in Canada. They officially broke up in 1988, and later that year, Rob Zombie started on his phenomenal career with his solo first album, the triple platinum Hellbilly Deluxe. Great album. Love that fucking Love album. Love that album. Love it. He's been recording and touring as well as acting and directing ever since. His most recent album, released in 2016, called The Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. That's the name of the album? That is the name of the album. How does that get on the CD, man? Tiny, tiny font. <laughs> in a spiral form. Exactly. <laughs> Zombie describes it as, seriously, our heaviest, most fucked up musical monster to date. Wow, that coming makes me f- want to listen to it. Coming from Zombie. Now, just wow. Now, Supercharger Heaven, a.k.a. Devilman, due to the chorus, is a pretty serious hard rock song. I mean, it really is. I like it due to the vocals and the instrument work, and the lyrics, I don't know what to say. I really have no clue. I mean, it's kind of disjointed. It's a bit of a story, but it's not. I'm pretty sure there's no meaning to it at all other than just zombie being zombie doing hard rock stuff while singing about occult shit. There's, Sounds about right. There's really nothing else to say about it. I mean, unlike Living Dead Girl or, or Super Beast or things, which actually kind of tell a story Yeah, yeah. This is just kind of random bullshit he throws together, but it works. That's the sad part is it works. So Rob Zombie and the boys, heavy drums, guitars, screaming, and the package is complete. The name of the song seems to be a misnomer as he talks a lot about devils, demons, and devil men. So, all that said, song fucking rocks, dude. I know. It, it, it's a face melter. It's it's great stuff. This needs to be added to my upbeat mix. Because, wow. Yeah. it's This is one of those where I'm like, I listen to some of the old white zombie stuff, like more human yeah. than human and such. And I listen to this one, I'm just like, huh. I'll be damned. Nope, I hear you, man. All right. So, I think we both agreed that that's a decent song. Good hard rock song. Thumbs up, man. Absolutely. Let's go to number six on the playlist for you today. Coming in, number six is... Knocking on Heaven's Doors is a song written and sung by Bob Dylan. Excuse me while I go take a bathroom break. For the soundtrack of the 1973 film Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Released as a single, described by Dylan biographer Clinton Hyland as an exercise in splendid simplicity. This song... In terms of the number of other artists who have covered it, is one of Dylan's most popular post-1960s composition. However, we're not talking about Dylan, because I don't like that version of the song. In 1987, Guns N' Roses started including the song on their live set. They recorded a studio version in 1990 for the soundtrack of the film Days of Thunder, which, for a Tom Cruise flick, is pretty damn good. It's it's Top Gun in a ra- in a NASCAR, and I it did is. it. Rubin's racing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This version was later slightly modified for the 1991 album Use Your Illusion 2, basically discarding the responses in the second verse. Released as the fourth single from the album, it reached number two on the UK singles chart as well as number 12 in Australia and number one in Ireland. Their performance of the song at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert in 1992 was used as the B-side for the single release and was also included on their Live Era 87-93 album released in 1999. The music video for the version of the song was directed by Andy Moran. Shall we knock on Heaven's Door? I think we shall. Roses signed with a major record label within eight months of the band's inception and topped national sales charts weeks after garnering late hours airplay on MTV. Appetite for Destruction is the highest selling debut album of all time in the United States. Peers of the band in the music industry industry often spoke highly of the band. Joe Perry stated that the band was the first group to remind him of Led Zeppelin. Ozzy Osbourne stated that Guns N' Roses could have been the next Rolling Stones, if the classic lineup stayed together. Good news, Ozzy, they're back together. Country musician Steve Earle stated in 1989 that Guns N' Roses are what every L.A. band pretends to be. The music of Guns N' Roses is a fusion of punk rock, blues rock, heavy metal, hard rock, and hair metal. 
The Illusion albums saw the band branching out into art rock. Well, the Spaghetti Incident saw the group blend hard rock with punk rock. Since the group's 1999 revival, the band has retained hard rock features while also experimenting with industrial rock and electronic rock. In the 1990s, the band integrated keyed instruments in, into the band and for roughly half of the Use Your Illusion tour, added a horn section to the stage. This is not my favorite gun song. In fact, it ranks right at the bottom of the list. Why then may you ask, did I not do the Dylan version of the song? I don't like that one either. In fact, I like it less than this one. There are things that guns do that make this a more palatable than the Dylan version. One, they give it some life. Dylan's version is slow and methodical. Guns brightens the music with guitars and backing vocals. Two, as much as Lou will disagree with me, I think Axel's voice works really well with the music. Third, the slight bit of rap that they do after the second verse is a very welcome distraction from the rest of the song. What do you think, Lou? I think going to the next track on the disc is a welcome is a welcome distraction to the song, to be quite honest. Now, I like the Dylan version better because I don't think Axel should sing fucking ballads, as I've said many times before. But that being wait, said... Wait, wait, wait. You don't think Axel should what? Sing ballads. One more time, I didn't quite hear you. Oh, I'm going to stab you in the ear with a pen. <laughs> no, I just don't care for the song. Dylan's version is, as you, I will agree with you, slow and boring. It really is. And Guns is a little bit faster, but also boring. I mean, I just don't care for it. I mean, honestly, last time I enjoyed the song was when I was playing in, what was it, Lethal Weapon 2, I think, after Riggs got shot. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean, and that was just... Like I said, it was... it's, it's not high on the Guns N' Roses list for me either. No, it's I have Dylan's greatest hits because he has put out some good music, but this one is a, a definitely a next track all the time. Do not care for this song. Fair enough. So it's not just your beloved guns that I'm shitting on. It's, no, it's no, this I hear song, you. Period. I well, I kind of shit on the song too. So. Okay. All right. All right. So what do you got next, man? All right, we're gonna go to Heaven with Warrant. Now, just gonna Heaven put... with Warrant or Heaven by Warrant? Yes. I got <laughs> you, man. Go. Now, as we mentioned before. In fact, we talked about this with our friend Scott about having the same name but done by different artists yes. and not being covers. There are so many songs called Heaven. It is ridiculous. We have three on our list between the two that you have and the one I have. Actually, well, actually, yeah, I think we do. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you're right. We do. So, now I just have to put the whoop whoop power ballad alert because it is. The, <laughs> Absolutely. Is Absolutely. The definition of. Look it up on Wikipedia. Power Ballad shows a picture of Janie Lane and, and Warren, probably. Maybe he's not. He's a sexy man. Yeah, he's a corpse. Well, he is now, but he... <laughs> let me rephrase that. He was a sexy man. I more appreciated the woman that was in the Cherry Pie video. Yes. <laughs> you can have Janie all you want. I don't want. <laughs> and so moving on. Hair metal band Warrant formed in 1984 by Eric Turner and included the first lineup of Adam Shore, Max Asher, Josh Lewis, and Chris Vincent. All fantastically easy names to pronounce, and thank you for that. <laughs> Chris Vincent was tossed for Jerry Dixon. They gigged hard, whatever the fuck that means, in California doing a lot of opening acts for bands like Hurricane and Ted Nugent. Shore and Asher quit in 86, and when Turner saw Janie Lane perform, he invited him to jam with them, and he took over as the lead songwriter in 1987. They signed with Columbia Records in 1988 and released their debut album, 1989's Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich. I love that album. That is such a good title, too. Which was commercially successful, hitting a peak of number 10 on the U.S. charts after, and has since gone double platinum. Let's listen to a little heaven. As long as I'm the hero of this little girl it's part two because we got a third heaven song coming up yeah, don't we? yeah. <laughs> warrant released a few more albums to mixed reviews when in the late 1990s they changed their official handle to warrant 1996 or warrant 96 to show a new direction more of a grunge style to stay with the times which a lot of bands just don't do they they just stick with their old stuff and hope that they can keep their fan base and lane officially quit warrants in 2004 but tried to start his own version being legally cock-blocked by the rest of the band members 
What? Yeah, imagine that, right? He came back for a 20th anniversary tour, and then in 2008, he was replaced by Robert Mason from Lynch Mob. Lane died of acute alcohol poisoning in 2011, yet the band has lived on. They've released nine studio albums, three of which have gone gold or platinum, putting out 33 singles, all including Cherry Pie, as mentioned, Heaven, and while they continue to tour and record, Warrant hasn't gotten back the success that they had with their first three albums, most notably Cherry Pie from 1990. Heaven, the song that we're talking about, as mentioned before, is a pretty solid power ballad. It's a great song where the singer states that as long as he's with his special girl, he's in heaven. What girl wouldn't want to hear that? I mean, honestly, if that, that'd be a panty dropper. It really would. I mean, if, if you're singing that to somebody and you know that they're being serious and not just trying to get a piece of ass or something, I mean, that would melt you right there. What else really is there to say? It's it's a love mixtape material for sure, and it's a really good song by the band. Yeah, now I went at this a little differently. I did not look at it. To me, it wasn't a song about a guy in love with a girl. It was about a dad in love with his daughter. I can see that. With reading the lyrics, I can buy that. So that's what, you know, it's more about a song about a man in love with his little girl. He wants to do what he wants to do, which is be a rock star, but he wants that little girl to be his biggest fan. He wants to be a great dad and a rock star. Kind of a literal interpretation. Yeah, I, I feel the man. I, I, I feel it, you know? Well, as having daughters, I can absolutely understand how you'd feel that way. Right. So, yeah, I, great power ballad, great love song. I mean, it could be looked at either way. Right. And I just happen to look at it a different way than you. But, yeah, you're right. There's There's not much to be said about this. This is one of those classic power ballads that are going to survive a long time. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely one that whenever they do like, now this is what I call it power ballads. And this is going right. to be, or that would probably be like volume 95 by now, but um, <laughs> that'll be on there. It has to be if they haven't already put it on a prior one. Right. right. So what's your next follow-up? My next follow-up is Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. It was written by Eric Clapton and Will Jennings from the 1991 Rush film soundtrack. I've never seen that movie. Have you seen Rush? No. Okay. In an interview with Sue Lawley in 1992, Clapton said that of the song, This is a song that I've written for a movie, but in actual fact it was in the back of my head, but it didn't really have a reason for being until I was scoring the movie, which I did a little while ago, and then it sort of had a reason to be, and is a little ambiguous because it could be taken to be about Connor, but it is also meant to be a part of the film. With Connor... Clapton's four-year-old son fell from a window of a 53rd-floor New York apartment owned by his mother's friend on March 20, 1991. Clapton arrived at the apartment shortly after the accident. Let's take a listen to the song. following 1990 were extremely turbulent for Clapton. In August 1990, his manager, two of his roadies, and his friend and fellow musician Stevie Ray Vaughan were killed in a helicopter accident. Seven months later, on March 20, 1991, Clapton's four-year-old son Connor died after falling from the 53rd floor window of his mother's friend's New York City apartment. He landed on the roof of an adjacent four-story building. Wow! What a shitty turn of luck. How, how would that... That would fuck a person up, man. I mean, when I was when I was reading this stuff and, and listening to this, I didn't cry, but it made me think about my daughters. And, you know, if they had died, I would fuck a man up. Yeah, that would definitely be the bad feels. So after isolating himself for a period, Clapton began working again, writing music for a movie about drug addiction called Rush. Clapton dealt with the grief of his son's death by co-writing Tears in Heaven with Will Jennings. Shortly after the single was released, he went on to the MTV Unplugged series and recorded a new version of the song. Unplugged top charts and was a nominated for nine Grammy Awards the year it was released. Clapton made numerous public service announcements, announcements to raise awareness for childproofing windows and staircases. It's a beautiful, sad song, written by a man who, as a father, lost a young son. I can't imagine a worse thing to live through as a parent myself. The song always brings me to tears, to be honest. If, if I listen to it and let it just kind of soak, it's a, it's a tear-runner. 
I gave Clapton props to sing this song over and over, as it has to feel like a fresh scar every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a super heartfelt song. I know he said that it's partially because of the kid. and I mean, everything I've read is that it's 100% for his kid. Yeah. Which, I'm sure he probably just had to say it about the movie. Right. Probably contractually or something. I can't say it's a bad song. They played the hell of it on the radio. The I prefer the electric version versus the unplugged version. However, if you're going for the feels, you're going to want to go the unplugged way because that will definitely, if if you don't get at least a little misty, at least inside, you're a monster. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So why don't we why don't we pep this up just a bit? <laughs> yeah, what do you got next, man? Bring us bring bring heaven happy again. All right, we're gonna go with I'm free. Heaven helps a man by Kenny Loggins. Kenneth Kenny Loggins started performing with small bands in the late 1960s, which I didn't know he was performing that long. Before making more of a Denton music as a songwriter in 1969, where he wrote songs... That, that year. I know, right? He's coming back. <laughs> it just does. It seems important. It it's, feels it's, important. It's, it's like the devil's number or something. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote songs for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, as well as Danny's song, which became a hit for Anne Murray. We actually talked about that on our Canadian episode. We did indeed. Now, Jim Messina took notice and paired with the then-unknown Loggins, where they toured and started releasing albums in 1971 with Sitting In. They worked together, but musically drifted apart, as was evidenced by their later albums. They released the final album together in 1976's Native Sons and had their final concert in Hawaii that same year. Let's break up in Hawaii. Oh, rough life. So, starting in 1977, Loggins produced his first solo album, Celebrate Me Home, which went to 27 on the U.S. chart and has since gone platinum. He also worked with Michael McDonald of the Doobie Brothers and co-wrote What a Fool Believes, which is a great fucking song. Love that song. Both artists released it. The Doobies version did better, but earned both men a Grammy in 1980 for Song of the Year. Starting in 1980, Loggins became known for his soundtrack work, earning him the nickname King of Movie Soundtracks for his many contributions to the medium. It began with I'm Alright for the golf comedy Caddyshack, and continued with Footloose and I'm Free for Footloose, Meet Me Halfway for the Stallone movie Over the Top, and Danger Zone and Playing with the Boys from a little film called Top Gun. Let's go ahead and free ourselves up and... Give to heaven, helping the man. And let's such. do the go for shake. If you go ahead, but let's listen to the song while you do your truffle shuffle. He was also part of Live Aid as a member of USA for Africa singing We Are the World, and he's actually pretty prominently featured in the video with his beard, because there's Kenny Loggins with and without the beard. He did continue to record and release albums and performing. Most recently, he was at Carnegie Hall celebrating the music of Aretha Franklin. Loggins has released 13 studio albums, seven of which have gone gold or better, as well as 31 singles, two of which have gone number one. Footloose is just such a great 80s movie, and all of the songs off of there are just amazing. Uh, I'm not even talking about the shitty reboot. I'm talking about the original, again, for 80s. This song, this Heaven Helps the Man, I'm Free, is just so fantastically nostalgic. It's about a guy fighting his fears and overcoming all obstacles to be with the girl he loves. As I said, it's a classic 80s song from a classic 80s movie. I like Loggins' work, and this is one of his standouts, I think. Well, let me just get through this before you uh, rip me a new asshole. I hated it. It's terrible. 80s Loggins garbage. I'm going to be disagreeing I, but go on i know it's from the footloose soundtrack and don't get me started on that movie i just don't think this is a good song kenny loggins really never was my cup of tea though it is what it is and it is garbage so you're saying pass you're saying 80s loggins is all garbage so danger zone is just a bad song it's not a great song wow i i learn new things about you every day so, and you love every little bit of it. Uh, sure. Why don't you go ahead and start talking about something else so I can take it from my mind. I, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. No, I'm good. I'll just destroy another Axl Rose performance. <laughs> anyway, up next I have got Heaven's Alive by Lacuna Coil. It's the first single uh, from their album Kamalis. Or Kamalis. I don't know. It's probably in Italian. I don't speak Italian, so. Olive Garden. Zuppa Toscana. Although frequently labeled as an anti-religion song, the song's namesake was not intended to be interpreted 
literally interpreted it. That is, a, those are two hard words to put together. <laughs> Shut up. In an interview with HighWiredDays.com, leading vocalist Christina Scabia explained the meaning of the song. The word heaven is a metaphor for a perfect life. When the phrase, your heaven, heaven's a lie is used, it is referring to people who try to force their opinions on others. Co-vocalist Andrea Farrow refers to this theme at their concerts as a song about freedom of ideas. Let's listen to this lie. Lacuna Coil are an Italian Gothic metal band from Milan. Since their formation in 1994, the group has had two name changes, being previously known as Sleep of Right and Ethereal. Inspired by the combination of Gothic imagery and music, the members have been known, musically, for composing mid-tempo songs consisting of prominent guitar lines and contrasting dual female-male vocal harmonies to help create a melodic, detached sound. Much of the band's recent material, however, seems a heavier and more downturned style, featuring a more distinct bass line and a higher mixing of the guitars within the songs. They have toured internationally and were nominated for an MTV Music Award. Now, Lacuna Coil is a group I've only been listening to for a short amount of time, literally months versus years of a lot of the music I listen to, and I am in lust with the band. <laughs> the music is amazing, the vocals are amazing, Christina Scabia is amazing. You know what? She looks even better in person. Really? You met her? I've been to see him twice live. Really? Yeah. In fact, uh, when they when Karma Code was brand new, uh, whatever number album that is, I saw them and Avenged Sevenfold for 30 bucks or something. Nice. And when she talks between songs, because she's Italian, she has that Italian accent, so think of her, but with an Italian accent. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Mo so, but moving on. I love this song. It's a heavy song and a heavy topic. And what are your thoughts, Lou? Now, I've made no, I've made no bones, pun intended, what I think about Christina Scabia and Lacuna Coil. I've always enjoyed them. I haven't gotten much of their newest stuff. I think The Simple Life, which is the one with the crystal grenade, is the most recent one that I've listened to. But I've not heard anything bad by Lacuna Coil. In fact, I think I turned you on to them during our Ladies of Rock episode. It was either you or Dawn. I couldn't remember who brought it to me first, but... But, um, no, I love them. I've liked them since I was introduced to them, which, again, wasn't the beginning, but was in the early 2000s. This is one of those great orchestrated rock songs. Um, I love how the instruments meld, and Scabia and Farrah's voices just seem to complement each other just perfectly. They have great chemistry together. I don't think they're a couple, but I think they're they've been together so long that they just have such a great... Chemistry. Well, chemistry, yeah, exactly, as I repeated myself for no apparent reason. So them going back and forth and then harmonizing, just it just works for me. The fact that it's not about religion, actually, and is about anything else just makes it more accessible to everybody. That's all i got to say about that. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. So what do you got next, man? Next, we're going to go with Dancing in Heaven, The Orbital Bebop by Q Feel. The name is ridiculous. The name is absolutely ridiculous. This is the epitome of One Hit Wonder. It really is. Q Feel was a synth pop group that formed in 1981. Time out! This was a hit? Really? Yeah, yeah this made the charts. <sighs> Go on. <laughs> All right. Q Feel was a synth pop group that formed in 1981, made up of Martin Page, Brian Fairweather, Trevor Thornton, and Chris Richardson. They released their one and only album, the self titled Q Feel, in 1982 to very local success. They toured and rode the Euro New Wave until breaking up in 1984, so they had that, what, three-year run? It wasn't the end of the members, though. Martin Page enjoyed continued success as a solo artist and songwriter. He, turned, he teamed up with Bernie Taupin, which yielded hit singles like We Built This City for Starship and These Dreams by Heart. He also composed the King of Wishful Thinking for the band Go West. His solo debut, which was In the House of Stone and Light, charted, and the title song went to number one on the U.S., Billboard Hot Adult Contemporary. That's just old people music, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in his spare time, he also worked with other artists on their material, such as playing keyboard for Ray Parker Jr. on the Ghostbusters theme song. Hey, he kept, he kept busy. Absolutely. Now, let's go ahead and do a little dancing in heaven. 
you can do the orbital bebop and I'll just stand there out in the corner by the punch bowl because I don't dance. Dancing in Heaven Again, Orbital Bebop is nothing more than a fun 80s new wave song. It's not complex, it's not deep, it's pretty damn mindless if you think about it. When you listen to it, I hear the directions that are given, like slow, slow, quick, quick, slow, and it makes me think of those rhythm games like Space Channel 5 or Dance Dance Revolution. Kind of made me think about fucking. Well, that works too, but that can be a game as well, (laughs) I guess, where they're telling you how to do it or what moves to do to defeat the boss or whatever. It's a good one-hit wonder song. I can't imagine that I'd like any of the rest of their stuff because it's just typical Euro pop. But it was fun to listen to when it was new, when it was new, and as an '80s fan, I enjoyed it. Never heard this song before. I had to listen to it. And Chad's notes, I just see one word: nope. I was fright by the name that it was some electro pop crap. I had a hard time listening to this. I really did. I'm pretty sure this guy is delusional enough, though, to believe that. To think that he's going to outer space to sing his bullshit music. Done. Just done. And moving on to... Something much better. Number 12. And Heaven Take 3. Heaven is a song by alternative rock group Live, which was released as the first single from their 2003 album Birds of Prey. The video, considered a concept album, as it featured highly symbolic imagery without the participation of the band, depicts a young girl and a boy at the opposite sides of a river who want to cross it so they can be together. They plan to meet in a place where the boy thinks he can swim to the other side, but he is taken by the stream and carried away. The girl swims to him and they are finally together, but soon they realize they are heading to the tumultuous river waterfalls. Whether they survive or not is unknown. The video was shot in Iceland and its supposed religious symbolism is open to different interpretations. After the song became a success in the United States, the original video was replaced in most rotations by a new video, shot at Wurst National in Brussels, Belgium. This version was a high-intensity performance of the song, featuring all four principal band members. So, let's go to heaven. So Live is an American rock band from York, Pennsylvania, consisting of Ed Kowalczyk, Chad Taylor, Patrick Dahlheimer, and Chad Gracie. Live achieved worldwide success with their 1994 album Throwing Copper, which sold 8 million copies in the U.S. The band had a string of hit singles in the mid-1990s, including Lightning Crashes. The band has sold over 20 million albums worldwide. Their last three studio albums fared only moderately well in the U.S., but they continued to enjoy success in the Netherlands, South Africa, Australia, and Brazil. I really enjoy this song. It hits me really profoundly as I am a father of two daughters, and I feel a lot like Live sings about in this song. I don't need no one to tell me about heaven. I look at my daughters, and I believe. There's a lot of truth and strength in those words. I don't have a whole lot more to say about it, but what are your thoughts, Lou? You know, I was never really a fan of Live in the past. Um... I am always behind the curve when it comes to the new thing. I would rather wait until it calms down. Kind of like I don't buy the movies when they come out. I wait until the price goes down there a little bit later and when the hype has died down. Kind of was the same way with music. And now I'm glad that I went into live because I enjoy their stuff. Throwing Copper was a great album. Probably their best in my opinion. And supposedly put on an amazing live show, which can you imagine being a band called Live and just sucking it up on stage? I totally went to one of their... Did you? I did. I saw them in concert um, in Stevens Point, actually. Okay. Uh, My wife and I were relatively newly married. So I think we saw them in like 97, 98. I got married in 96. And (laughs) they're up on the stage and they're singing and they're at the Quant Field House. And we're just going along. And it's a great show. But my wife's sitting there. And all of a sudden, Ed, the lead singer, he's trying to get girls to take their shirts off, right? And pretty soon, shirts are flying everywhere. Of course they are. There was 
tits as far as the eye could see. And it was an amazing concept, but I spent the whole time going, I'm not looking. I'm not. I was so totally looking. <laughs> really? You think? <laughs> now, the song itself is, it's motivational and almost religious. And it's just believe in yourself. That's all it is. And yeah. that's all I got to say about it, really. I mean, it's it's a good song. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. So, what's your last one? My last one, and I saved my favorite for last, and that's Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. Belinda Jo Carlisle is an American singer and songwriter. She began her musical career in that wonderful 1977 year as the drummer of a punk band called The Germs. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's really the drummer part or the punk band part? Yes. Okay. Fate intervened when it gave her mono, which disallowed her to go on any further outings with the germs other than a live album. But she just had germs. Why couldn't she go? Ha ha ha. I found that comical. Okay. Shortly after she formed the Go-Go's, originally named the Misfits, and I just have to ask, where is Jerrica Benton and Synergy when you need them? And if you get that reference, awesome. If not, Google it with pictures. With uh, Margo, or I guess Margo Olivara, Alyssa Bello, and Jane Wideland. After a few personal shakeups and three albums that did well, the Go-Go's broke up, and Belinda went solo in 1985, where she enjoyed large success on all of her releases, but none more so than her sophomore effort, 1987's Heaven on Earth, that featured this song. Why don't we go ahead and visit a little heaven being in a place on Earth? The Go-Go's have reunited on and off throughout the years, most for mostly for anniversaries, but finally came back together in 1999 for good. They released their most recent album in 2001 and planned a farewell tour for 2016. They aren't actually broken up and plan on getting together occasionally, but not as regularly as Belinda's solo stuff. Meanwhile, she's kept busy releasing albums here and there, all the way up to the most recent one, which is 2017's Wilder Shores, which... The reason that we've not heard of it is because it's a selection of Gurmukhi Buddhist chants. Oh, yeah. I know that album. Yeah, that's it's, it's on my Amazon wish list. It probably <laughs> is now because it's Belinda Carlisle. No, no, no. Belinda has released eight studio albums, three of which going gold or better in the U.S., and 14 singles. Heaven is a Place on Earth. It's, it's a classic 80s song. It's a love song that talks about peace of mind and how you create your own heaven, regardless of where it is. It's catchy. It's got a great hook. The music is entertaining. The video is creepy as fuck if you've never seen it. It is terrifying. Really? Yes. In my younger years, I had more than a little crush on Belinda Carlisle, so of course when I found that she went nude in Playboy, I got that one right away. The red hair, the pop voice, the smoky and sultry, but not like 25 packs a day smoky like Bronnie Tyler. <laughs> or Ella Reed. Right. It just did it for me. I like the song, not just for the person, but the quality of music. I think it was very well produced. It sounded amazing, and it just it sticks with you, you know? On a side note, if you want to see something truly hilarious, watch the third American Pie movie, uh, American Wedding, I believe it is, when Stifler does, he's in a gay bar, and he's doing a dance-off to this song. It is truly a wonder to behold. It is. It's a, it's a great scene. So, bottom line, not only Belinda, but I dig the song. What do you have to say? Okay, this is a song for dancing, making out, and maybe a little bit more. Love this song. Belinda Carlisle has an amazing voice, and is, this is the type of music is a lot of fun. This has nostalgia written all over it. Oh, yeah. Please, please, someone start making music like this again. Agreed. I love this song. Love it. I mean, this, and honestly, because of actually seeing the two CDs I remember at my uncle's house, this and the B-52's Cosmic Thing which I believe is the one that has Love Shack on it, or okay. like two on it on top of his stereo. So those two those two songs I always think together. And okay. that's another great song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So why don't you round out our episode? What do you got for the last one? For the last one, I got Heaven's on Fire by Kiss. Great song. This is a song about straight up being on fire during sex. It's just a song about sex. It is also one of the only songs that went anywhere during the band's no-makeup era. Love this song. 
I love it. Now, you, yes, you, listen to it. KISS is an American rock band formed in New York City in January 1973 by Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, and Ace Fraley. Well known for its members' face paint and stage outfits, the group rose to prominence in the mid to late 1970s with their elaborate live performances, which featured fire breathing, blood spitting, smoking guitars, shooting rockets, levitating drum kits, and pyrotechnics. I'd go to that. I mean, honestly, the only thing they didn't have was lasers, but that was Pink Floyd. Remember, <laughs> band, Laser yeah. Floyd, man. Laser, Laser Floyd. Floyd. The original and best-known lineup consisted of Stanley, Simmons, Fraley, and Chris. With their makeup and costumes, they took on personas of comic book-style characters. It's quiz time. The Star Child. Oh, like who was who? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't... Okay. Uh, I know Simmons was the demon. We'll get to that. Star Child. Oh, God. Okay, who are the four again? It's Stanley, Simmons, Frehe, and Chris. Uh, Stanley. Yes, Stanley was Star Child. The Demon. Was Gene Simmons. The Spaceman. Um, not Ace. The other one. Actually, it was Ace. Damn it. And the Catman was Peter Chris. Okay. Due to creative differences, both Chris and Frehe had departed the group by 1982. In 1983, Chris Kiss began performing without makeup and costumes, thinking it was time to leave the makeup behind. The band accordingly experienced a minor commercial resurgence, and their music videos received regular airplay on MTV. Drummer Eric Carr, who had replaced Chris in 1980, died in 1991 of a rare type of heart cancer and was replaced by Eric Singer. I didn't even know heart cancer was a thing. You can have cancer of anything. Well, I know you can, but you never hear of heart cancer, which is probably why it was called a rare form. I would assume so. In response to a wave of Kiss nostalgia in the mid-1990s, the band announced a reunion of the original lineup in 1996, which also saw the return of the makeup and stage costumes. The resulting Alive-slash-World Tour was commercially successful. Chris and Fraley have both since left the band again and have been replaced by singer and Tommy Thayer, respectively. The band had continued with their original stage makeup, with Singer and Thayer using the original Catman and Space Ace makeup, respectively. KISS has sold more than 75 million records worldwide, including 21 million RIAA-certified albums. On April 10, 2014, KISS was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The guitars, the vocals, and everything. This is the full package. See what I did there? Oh, the yeah. Package. Uh -huh. Great rock song. What else can I say? I love it. Lou? This is one of my favorite songs by theirs. Um, it's just got a great hook to it. It rocks. And I would be totally okay if all the classic rock stations would start playing this instead of always only playing rock and roll all night every fucking time. Because that's all that the classic rock stations play is rock and roll all well, night. Well, no, they play Dr. Love. Uh, infrequently. You hear this song more than anything else. Oh, yeah. Else. Oh, absolutely. And I think they should throw out – I mean – Kiss has put out how many dozens of records? Oh, so many, so I mean, many. Dig in some of the deep cuts. You know, take a take us for something else. But I mean, this is a great song. Bottom line. Absolutely. All right, let's go into part two of All right. your your. Uh... We're gonna finish. We're gonna go finishing up the trivia here. There we go. Now, of course, I just realized as you were doing your thing on knocking on heaven's door, you actually already answered the question that I had. Okay. So I quick up and came up with another one because I'm great that way. Because you're cheating. You're a cheating fucker. Oh, I'm going to give you credit for it. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you credit for the for the correct answer, but I'm also going to make you answer a third fucking question. Okay. All right, because my question was, Bob Dylan wrote Knocking on Heaven's Door for what 1973 movie? Let me check my notes. It is... And, and it was a Western, so... Yeah, it was a Western, I, and, and I should know this, but i got to look at my notes. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Exactly. So that would put you at nine and six. Eight and six. Mm -mm. No, nine and six. You're right. Yeah. I are knowing math. <laughs> All right. So what's the... So my question, and this you should hopefully get because you are a religious-ish type person. Okay. What is the highest rank of an angel in heaven if going by the Christian angelology? Oh, Jesus. Um... No, that he's up there. I would hope so. 
Um, Seraphim? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I... I don't. I know there's several classes of angels, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't rank them. That is actually the the top rank. The seraphim is considered the number one. <gasps> as he folds his bat wings back behind him. Shh. So that would actually put you at ten and six, gives you a sizable lead, which means I need to make these more difficult. <laughs> no, you don't. I like being good at something. <laughs> so, All right. So let's wrap this one up. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. All right. So. If you enjoyed this episode, any of our other episodes, or on the flip coin, hate this episode or any other episode, let us know. Drop us a line. You can do that in several different ways. First of all, you can reach out to us at uh, musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line there. We'll get back to you. Otherwise, you have a few ways if you like social media. You can find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. Either way, drop us a line out there. We'll get back to you as well. And, of course, as we all know, we are on the Twitter now. Yes, and, you know, I'm just going to say it again, like I said in the beginning. Have you ever wanted to get in touch but just couldn't pull the trigger? Maybe had this burning desire to say how much we suck and just don't feel like emailing or Facebooking? I have that burning desire a lot. Yeah, but you take pills for that. Yeah, well. Or it's especially medicated cream. Sometimes we got, both. we got great news for you. We are on the Twitter. How do you find us, you may ask? Well, I am going to tell you exactly how, and that's... Using the at sign, which is that goofy little A with the round shell on it. Yep. And then MC Podcast 17. So that's MC Podcast 17. If you want to send us some love, some hate, a song list of 14 songs, 14 artists with a theme or not a theme, definitely give us a holler. We'll be happy to hear from you. Excellent, excellent. So next week's kind of a special week. We are doing Christmas. Yes, because um, it is getting to be that time, and you couldn't tell it by the weather. No, not not right now. I mean, what I think we hit like 60-something today, and I mean, I'm in shorts, but then again, I'm always in shorts. Yeah, but we've had three snowfalls this year already, too. And that was around Halloween, which was yeah. the best. So, all right. Well, once again, I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.